You're listening to The Caffeine Chronicles with your host, author, and storyteller, Lucy LeMay Chalucci. Tune in for coffee chats and interesting guest interviews as we explore the moving parts of mental health, marriage, parenting, self-love, pursuing our passions, and everything else that goes into creating a joyful life of intention. So go pour yourself a fresh cup and grab those cozy socks. Get ready to dive into all things related to lattes, longings, and leaning into life's challenges. Morning, sunshines. Everyone bright-eyed and bushy-tailed today? Ready to tackle the day? Be your best self? Quarantine like a boss. Do all of the things all at once. Let's show up for each other. Stay away from each other all at the same time. Yeah, I know. It's getting late. So I got to tell you, my personal win for the last few weeks has been my success in helping my daughter through some math lessons that have been aimed at teaching uh, the kids how to multiply and divide numbers with decimals. Now, this was actually pretty challenging for both of us as I had to first figure out myself what the Sam Hill I was doing before I could even teach it to her. And I got to say, it's not easy to teach your own kid. And to her credit, my daughter was extremely patient with me as I was teaching her. The way she was explaining things to me over and over again. And to be fair, math was never my strong suit, you guys. Mm -mm. I don't get numbers the same way I get words. Not at all. When I was a student in school, I pretty much had to get naked to count to 22. So you can imagine the social difficulties this created for me. In fact, that's one of my biggest comforts about teaching dance. I never have to count past eight. Keeps my shirt and shoes on. It's better that way. Not as many awkward letters coming home, that's for sure. But in all seriousness, the home learning programs that many of us have been working on with our children since our schools shut down in March due to the COVID-19 closures have been incredibly taxing, requiring a certain level of patience that few of us possess. I don't think that I ever truly, truly appreciated the roles that my teachers play in my kids' lives until they weren't there any longer. And uh, I I have to say, I, I, teachers, I miss you guys big time. And uh, I have to give you all a humongous shout out for the way you've uh, had to dive into the situation and get this home learning module together make up the online lessons, find a way to keep our kids engaged. And you're doing all of this while supporting your own children learning from home. So um, I am in awe of all of you. And I think you all deserve a medal for this one, especially in light of the fact that uh, many of our teachers are having to deliver this content in a way that um, they've been fighting against throughout the provincial-wide teacher strikes when the teachers' union stood up to the changes that the Ontario students were facing namely larger class sizes, fewer resources, and some in-class learning replaced with uh, online learning or e-credits. And that is a system of learning that I can tell you firsthand isn't going to set up every student for success, because not everyone learns the same. So here in Ontario, we are coming to the close of what most people uh, will regard as a disastrous school year. Between numerous strike days and the shutdown of our publicly funded and privatized schools due to the coronavirus pandemic, most parents have had their hands full at home. 
trying to figure out how best to support their child's learning. And with parents now thrust in the role of head schoolmaster, trying to keep their kids focused on teacher-given tasks and the completion of online assignments, many while juggling their own workloads from home, we are fast becoming a society of irritable and burnt-out stand-ins for one of the most undervalued jobs in our society, the school teacher. Many of us are pulling a double shift, doing our jobs from home as well as homeschooling our children. That's why I turn to the advice of Candace M. Ozeki, an experienced home educator. Miss Candace sat me down and schooled me in the same honest and candid way she writes for her lifestyle blog, Beads, Bobbles, and Buttons. Her first lesson, you, Miss Lucy, are not a homeschooler. You are a crisis schooler and you're not failing. So if you're struggling just as much as I am to keep the home learning wheels spinning at your place, then you're not going to want to miss this interview with Candace, Lifestyle blogger, artisan, and home educator from Ottawa, Ontario, Candace M. Lezecki is a busy mama fueled by cussing and coffee, a girl after my own heart. She takes an eclectic approach to teaching her four, that's right, I said four children, as she follows her passion for writing, sharing her love of crochet, wellness, parenting, and local shopping. Now, even with all of this going on in her life, she still made the time to grab her second cup with me this morning and appear as a guest on the podcast. So whether you're feeling too cool for school or simply not cool enough, this episode is exactly what you need to give you from some perspective and make it through the final weeks of the 2020 school year. Candace, welcome to the Caffeine Chronicles. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for having me. Hey, my pleasure. I'm glad you could squeeze us into your schedule, Busy Mama. It gets so, pretty crazy. Oh, I, I know. It's, uh, it's nuts. It's just bananas. It's uh, like nothing we've ever realized before. And um, I'm, I'm curious to know, from your perspective as a home educator, how this has uh, affected your your daily routine. I mean, is it business as usual for you guys, or you know, what does it? No, nope. it really isn't. And I think a lot of people think um, homeschoolers have got it all figured out, and we're just doing our regular schedule. But not necessarily. Um, especially for a lot of people, homeschooling doesn't necessarily happen just in our home. We leave the house a lot, <laughs> so it is a little bit different for us as well kind of being stuck in the house and gearing everything we do to being home or in our own yard and stuff like that. It's definitely different for us as well. I, I would imagine so. So you don't have any of those, uh, those outings anymore with, uh, I would assume you get together with other homeschoolers? Absolutely. Uh, we have homeschooling friends. We are part of groups. Uh, the kids have, you know, swim class and things like that. We go to the library a ton and we can't do any of those things right now. Oh. That's a shame. That's very limiting. Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of people think that homeschool kids <laughs> don't socialize, but they actually socialize quite a bit. So it's still tricky for them to be stuck at home. Yes. Well, I think that goes against the grain of any kid just to be inside and uh, not get to socialize and have their time to kind of run free. Yeah. So, um, okay. Let's, uh, let's get a little bit more, um, dive into the background about uh, what exactly homeschooling is and why it is you made this decision for your family. 
So do you remember at what point you realized you wanted to be a homeschooler and uh, what precisely it is that drew you to this model of home-based education? I think it was really natural progression for me. I always knew I wanted to be home with my kids. Uh, my husband and I worked around each other's schedules in the beginning so that our kids didn't have to go to daycare. So one of us was always home with them. Um, and then when he was able to get a better job that allowed me to stay home, I chose to stay home. Uh, and as I learned more about homeschooling and saw more people uh, doing nature-based schooling and, and a different kind of homeschooling than what people are usually used to, it seemed something that really would fit our family as well as, as my husband was starting his career, we knew we were going to have to move a few times. Um, and that would have fallen right when Ollie was starting kindergarten. And I really had no interest in having him start kindergarten, move six months into that year, mm. and then move again the next year and switch schools multiple times in his first, you know, little bit of time in schooling. So this kind of really came at the right time for us and fit with what we were doing. Yes, I would imagine that to be a huge interruption, the, the packing up and moving around and starting uh, from the bottom, making new friends again, and that's, uh, that's taxing on our little people. Absolutely. And even just the us having to put him in school and pull him out of school and all that comes with that, I think this gave us the freedom to move our family around more easily and know that we can keep up with what he needed to be doing especially since we had Eva as well, who's only 18 months older, and Gray was just a newborn at the time. So it really worked for us to have that sort of freedom to move around more easily. Okay. Now I just want to jump in here with a little fun fact for everyone. Um, Candace and I actually met back in 2013 uh, when I applied <laughs> for a job as a barista at Starbucks. And Candace was actually the assistant store manager who interviewed me for the job. You had uh, baby number two on the way and you were working full time. And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, you know all about that uh, alleged unicorn they call the work-life balance. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which actually, actually is no balance at all. No balance. No, it's very difficult. <laughs> Yes, it's very difficult to be uh, to be a full-time working mama when you've got little ones at home. I can um, I can certainly sympathize with that. So I can see that as the kids started uh, getting older and you guys started moving around more. And Barry is in the, the military. Is that correct? Yes, he's in the Canadian Air Force. Okay. And uh, where are you currently stationed? We're in Gander, Newfoundland. So we've left our hometown, our home province, and this is our first time living in a different province. Okay, but there have been several moves in between. That's right. The first we moved twice in Ontario. Um, okay. And this last move last summer was our big move out to Newfoundland. Okay, so that's uh, another, another one for the books in the uh, Lezeki Adventures. <laughs> yeah. That's this was our big, our big adventure, I think. <laughs> okay. And how long are you planning to be out there? Do you know? This is a limited posting, they call it. So we should only be here about three years. Okay. So two more years. Okay. And uh, so right now you're homeschooling all four of your children. That's right. Well, Jensen doesn't do anything yet because he just turned four. But next year he'll be doing a little bit more activities, a little bit more hands-on. <laughs> Okay, and how, what are the ages of your children? 
Ollie's 10, Eva's 8, Gray is 6, and Jensen is 4. Okay, so you've got all that learning going on with these yeah. different levels all day long. They wow. run the gamut of elementary school. <laughs> I bet, yeah, you're like the, the one-room schoolhouse. Yeah. <laughs> so what exactly does it mean when, when you're a homeschooler? How much control do you have over what and how you're teaching your children? I'm very curious to know what the average school day looks like in the Lazeki household with uh, four children who are at such different academic levels. We have a lot of control, actually. Um, in Canada, it's legal to homeschool across the entire country, but each province has their own rules and regulations. For the most part, though, they're not super strict. I think Quebec has the strictest rules, and they only came into play last year and there's been a lot of heated discussion and debate about uh, what they think they can control as far as homeschool. Um, most provinces have I would say a medium amount of rules. Here you have to send in some paperwork and stuff uh, throughout the year and you're in contact with a, a, the principal and somebody that works for the school board. In Ontario, there's very little that you have to do. If your kids have never been in public school, you don't have to do anything really, it's up to you. Um, that being said, I don't know a single homeschooler that hasn't researched their butt off. Nobody's going into this with this idea that they'll just do whatever they want and, and their kids won't learn anything and that'll be fine. You know, people who choose to do this, to choose to go into this lifestyle, there's always a lot of research behind it and a lot of intention behind it. Okay. So um, when you're setting up your, um, your, your home school, so let's, let's give a hypothetical example for, um, just, for, just for fun here. So I want to uh, take my daughter out of the public school system for next year and, and homeschool her. So uh, I, would, um, I would check out the, the homeschooling resources for my province. And mm -hmm. am I given some kind of guideline or curriculum that I would have to follow or be encouraged to follow? Or is it, uh, is it all the lessons strictly of my, my own making? So... The lessons are really of your own making. There is tons of curriculum out there though to choose from. So if you feel more comfortable following, you know, a nationwide curriculum or a provincial curriculum, that information is there for any parent to, to get. The Ontario Education website has a great uh, overview of every single grade and what their curriculum sort of looks like if you like to have a guide like that. Um, there's a website called the Canadian Homeschooler and she has fantastic checklists. I actually print those out every year um, as a sort of base to keep my goals for each kid in check, as well as uh, we use the popular book company's Canadian curriculum books. And that just gives us a very base level to keep track of what we're doing throughout the year. And then I build all the rest of the lessons and activities and stuff on top of that. Um, for you, because you're in Ontario, if you were taking your daughter out of school, you would have to write a letter to the school board and you'd have to send that letter in every September, literally just letting them know where your kid is at okay. home, being homeschooled. It's just so that person doesn't just go missing from the school board records. 
Um, but like I said, if you're in Ontario and you've never registered your child in school, you don't even have to write that letter. So when we moved here to Newfoundland, that filling out, they have sort of application form that you have to fill out. This is my first time doing it because we've never had to before. So there's a lot of different paperwork here than I've ever had to do in Ontario. Okay. And um, is there any kind of standardized testing that is required after uh, a certain amount of time to ensure that um, the level nope, of learning? Or? That's completely up to the parents. Okay. If you want your child to participate in the standardized test at school, you can contact your local school board and they will allow you to have your child come in and take those tests with the other students if you want to do that. It's not necessary. And if you feel that testing your kids is a way to follow what they're learning academically, that's completely up to you and your style of homeschooling. I don't do tests per se. We do spelling quizzes and stuff like that but I don't do a big test. I find that I can see what they're learning as they apply it to their next lesson and their next activity um, and their next writing project. And it's easy to see kind of what they're learning without having to sit down and do a, a test to figure it out. Okay, I see. Well, for me, that's, that part of the, uh, of the homeschooling puzzle sounds wonderful because I feel like standardized testing will only show you uh, a, a very small snapshot of one section of a child's learning it's not exactly sure i also find standardized testing is a little bit about if the school is meeting expectations if the teachers are meeting expectations and not necessarily whether or not kids are meeting those expectations yes uh, i i agree with that completely we've got um, we and here in ontario we've got uh, the it's called eqao and that's uh, uh, a round of standardized testing that's usually implemented um, in the uh, the last part of the grade three, six, and uh, nine curriculum. So oh, I, I remember filling out those old scantrons. <laughs> oh yeah, right. And you try to bribe the kids with a pack of gum. It's like it's not going to be that bad. Look, you'll get to chew gum, right? And yeah, <laughs> looking at you like, are you crazy? <laughs> this is awful. Yeah. So, um, so what about um, parents who have children with special needs? Do you um, are are you able to to discuss uh, how how that looks for setting up a home education program for children who do have special needs? I think people would be surprised to see how many homeschoolers have children with special needs. Um, they're kids that need you to think outside the box. They need to have the time to figure out how those kids work, how they learn, and then apply the best methods to helping them get there. And that's, always, that's not always going to be easy in a school setting. Your teacher already has so many kids in the class. They're trying to help the kids that are excelling continue to excel. They're trying to help the kids that are struggling continue to, to catch up with the rest of the class. There's a whole group of kids in the middle that are sometimes sort of forgotten. And then you have another group of kids that need one-on-one -on -one attention and can't necessarily get it in a school structure. So a lot of parents actually homeschool their children for just that reason. Um, I've seen a lot of people have great results finding the right kind of curriculum, the right kind of teaching style to help their child learn. So it, it can be really good for them, um, especially if you're still able to 
use some of the resources um, and therapies and things out there for your kids to use. Right. I, um, I think that's probably one of the most appealing things about the homeschool model is it's not a one-size-fits-all approach to teaching or learning and uh, it allows you to teach your child or children in the manner that serves them the best. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's definitely something, a, a, a check mark on the pro side for sure. That's right. I think a lot of people will be surprised how many different kinds of people homeschool. Um, a lot falls under the homeschool umbrella uh, that I don't think people know about or, or understand necessarily. Not every homeschooler even stays at home. There's homeschool co-ops, there's nature schools, there's all kinds of different things people do, and they all kind of just get stuck under the homeschool umbrella, but they're, it's, it's fairly broad. And it leaves a lot of space for people to figure out what's going to work best for their kids and their family. Yes. And I feel like, um, homeschooling is, is becoming, uh, it, it's gaining more traction than it has in previous decades because more parents now are, uh, taking the time to research, as you say, and look into how they want to raise their families. And, uh, if the traditional school model is not working for their kid, then they need to uh, step back and say, okay, well, what are our options here? And I feel like uh, homeschool, uh, whereas before, earlier on, like in, in the, uh, the 90s, when I first started hearing homeschooling being brought up, you know, it was like, oh, well, they're one of those kids. I, I, don't, I don't feel like that stigma exists so much anymore now. It's, it's definitely dissipating as more people actually get to see what we do. And I think that's an upside to social media and the internet and the way we are today is that people actually get to see more of what these homeschoolers are doing. There's not just one weird news report <laughs> out of the state, you know? Yes. It's always like the weirdest story and then people hear that and that's all they know about it now there's a more of a chance of people seeing what we're all doing and what we're all about. So what, what does um, a typical day of, of homeschooling look like in your household? You, your kids get up and you've, you've got a lesson planned to, to teach them. How do you yeah. deliver So that? we're definitely eclectic. Yeah, we're eclectic homeschoolers for sure. So we take a lot of different pieces and put them together. I do make a schedule, but I'm not afraid to throw that schedule out the window. You know, if somebody's having a bad day, if we need to get done, we'll switch it up. We'll do something else. We'll make it work. Um, and that's the freedom that we have when we homeschool is that we can do that. We don't have to stick to this rigid schedule every single day if we don't want to or if it's not working. Um, but I do make a schedule. <laughs> there are goals that I'd like to accomplish every week. Um, usually we try to do a morning that's fairly scheduled that way we get all of our kind of book work and stuff like that out of the way and freeze up our afternoons to get outside and do more hands-on stuff okay so for the morning when they're they're doing the, uh, the the learning like the the book work the the sit down and write portion is um like are, are are the kids hanging around in in their jammies kind of thing or is everyone like dressed and sitting upright at the kitchen table how uh, did start like that, that is very day specific and child specific uh, 
Eva, Eva likes to get up. She likes to get dressed. She will wake up before everybody else every single day. It does not matter what time she goes to sleep. <laughs> She's definitely a morning person who's ready to go and get her stuff done in the morning, which is awesome. Ollie's not. And that's okay, too. If he rolls down in his pajamas, fine. As long as he's at the table. <laughs> and his attitude is okay. <laughs> I'm not concerned. Um, so depending on what we do during you know, the day, if we have something scheduled on a non-COVID-19 <laughs> day, uh, then it'll depend on how strict we are in the morning. But usually... We take it pretty easy in the morning. I've got it scheduled so that they have off-screen playtime and stuff first thing in the morning. We don't launch right into sit down and work stuff because it doesn't necessarily work for all the kids. And what we do is we try to group the subjects together. So if one kid's doing science, we're all doing science, and then we'll just adjust it to meet the expectations for each person's grade. That makes it a little bit easier and we can do more hands-on activities together. Okay, so then you're you're working with like a, a one specific theme and it's just geared to whatever level the child is learning at. That's right. And it's good because it also gives Jensen things to do. So if everybody's doing their science work, maybe he's doing a coloring sheet of trees and gardens and stuff like that. So it kind of opens it up a little bit more to fit some activities in for all four of them and things that they can do together while still doing, you know, the few pages from their workbook that are grade specific for them. Okay. And is this, um, this uh, loose fluid uh, schedule of yours, do you typically uh, have learning take place like a Monday to Friday or does yes. that move around as well? I definitely like them to have their time off, even though we're not super strict <laughs> school-wise during the weekday, but we do have a schedule during the weekday for screens off time. Um, that way they're still doing hands-on activities. I really believe in play-based learning, so I want them to play. I want them to play together and go outside and do all that hands-on stuff. So we do have a schedule in the sense that Monday to Friday, um, you know, nine o'clock is school time you know, no screens unless it's school related until 3 p.m. Okay. Um, you know, a, a broad schedule, but what we do within those hours are going to be different, not necessarily the same thing every day. Okay, so there's still that sense of TGIF, the weekend is here, come Friday That's afternoon right. at, at 3 p.m. Everyone's high-fiving yeah. in the Lozeki household. <laughs> yeah, Ollie specifically is always like, what day is it today? That's yeah. one more day till the weekend. <laughs> I'm happy you're learning how a calendar works. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. He's rocking it. Calendar. <laughs> awesome. Boom. Homeschooling. <laughs> That's right. Hashtag homeschool win. So um, do you also follow like a, uh, a summer holiday regime as well? Uh, what I usually do in the summer is we definitely have summer off, but I do like to keep them a little bit learning. Obviously we do a lot of outside activities, especially because winter's so long and we're stuck inside so much. Um, so we get a lot of activities done in the summer, a lot of going out, a lot of hiking, a lot of running around, you know, learning about trees, learning about plants, we take our scavenger hunt paper with us, whatever we need to do. So we, there's a lot of hands-on learning that happens over the summer. 
Um, but to keep them just kind of on track and reading and stuff, I usually do maybe like a couple worksheet pages a day on the weekdays and a little bit of reading time. But they love reading, so I don't really have to be strict with reading time. They have reading time before bed every night, so they definitely read a lot. <laughs> Way to go, Mom. That's a win for sure. Okay, so what do you find? Like, I'm, I'm hearing all these, like, really good things about um, homeschooling and, and how you feel about your decision to raise your family this way. What do you find has been the biggest challenge of being a homeschooler? I would say just having four kids that are so young. Uh, when we started out, it was a little bit harder to corral the little kids. You know, when you've got a baby and you've got her in the ergo and you're trying to get everything done, that hands-on can be a little bit exhausting. Now that they're a little bit older, I think we've hit a nice spot where um, everybody can kind of keep be kept busy a little bit easier and that helps us stay on schedule more. Um, but there was definitely some time in there where it took us, you know, time to figure out what everybody needed, time to figure out how everybody needed to learn. Um, a whole episode where we realized Ollie needed glasses. <laughs> so it, it, it definitely can be a one day at a time process. And I think you have to learn to be a little bit more open. You can make a schedule and that schedule may not work at all and the great thing about homeschooling but also sometimes frustrating is you just have to throw that schedule out and try a different schedule figure out how it's going to work okay so a lot of trial and error there's definitely some trial and error and it's a double-edged sword for sure it's it's so freeing and but it can also be a little bit frustrating when you're trying to figure out what's going to be the right scenario for all of you so can the average homeschooler expect like a, a one to two year or beyond learning curve before they start getting comfortable and figuring out what's working best for them? I think that's age dependent. If your kids are a little bit older, I think you're going to get it in a few months. Just a matter of how open you are to changing that schedule and, and moving things around and trying to figure out how it works for all of you. Uh, on the flip side, if you're starting right from the start like I did and your kids are very little, there's a little bit more of a learning curve there, I think, because you're growing together and you're growing together as a family and your kids are growing and, and you're still kind of learning how to parent and <laughs> mom and all of that kind of stuff. So it, it can be a little trickier, I think, if you go from the start. On the flip side of that, though, going from the start means that when you get into those little bit older years, you really have a good understanding of how your family works and how your kids think and it makes it a little bit easier too. Yeah, I I could see definitely that would give you an advantage and it's um it, I'm just going back to what you said about, you know, um giving yourself time to uh learn the ropes and adjust to the changing schedules and I think that's something uh all of the, the parents uh in the world <laughs> are uh, are feeling right now as everyone is trying to adapt to the model of learning at home and working at home. I feel like many parents all over the country are feeling the frustration and pressure of having to manage their children's daily school tasks. And many of us have come to regard ourselves as homeschoolers. Uh, but in reality, what we are doing is crisis schooling. And I bring this up because you recently wrote an article about this on your blog, Feed Bobbles and Buttons. And I was hoping you could elaborate a bit more on the difference between the two 
and uh, what advice you would offer to parents who are struggling under the weight of this expectation? Absolutely. Um, I really think it's important that people give themselves a break and a little bit of grace. What you're being asked to do right now, it's, it's not homeschooling. It's not what we do. It doesn't look like what we're doing. Um, and that really speaks to what I said about intention. When we come into this homeschooling world, we have the time to figure out our schedules. We have the time to do all this research and figure out what it looks like for us. You haven't been given that time. Uh, what parents are being asked to do right now is basically a whole bunch of Band-Aid solutions slapped on top of each other. Uh, not everybody has the resources that this kind of schooling is, is asking you for. Not everybody has a a tablet or a phone or a computer for each kid in their house and they have to get them onto all these Zoom meetings and they need to get them into, you know, these online classes and they have to do all this work and their kids are sitting a, a, in a front of a screen most of the day and that's just not what homeschooling looks like for most homeschoolers. Um, and I think it's important that parents who are feeling frustrated, feeling like they're, they're falling behind or they're failing their kids or they're looking to see what the homeschoolers are doing and they think, oh, we're, it doesn't look like that for us. Of course it doesn't, because what you're doing is crisis schooling or pandemic schooling, and it's just not the same thing. Um, I know a lot of parents are going through this, they're having a hard time, and they're thinking, you know, is this, do, I would never homeschool, but what you're doing right now, it just isn't homeschooling. And I think keeping that in mind can take a little bit of pressure off of off of what parents are doing right now when they realize you're okay. You're doing the best you can do and nobody's doing it better than you. Okay. All right. Those are some uh, very sage words you offer. And I hope all the parents out there listening are taking in that message that uh, we all need to dial back our expectation and just keep doing the best we can for our children. And uh, nobody expects otherwise. We don't have to be, uh, you know, rocking it in the, the teacher slash substitute teacher <laughs> department. And uh, That's right. Nobody should be striving for perfection right now. No. If oh, my gosh. You get a chance to sit down on the couch and read with your kids. Honestly, you nailed it. Take okay. a deep breath, you know? <laughs> Well, that's good to know. That means I've, I've nailed it on a few occasions then throughout the pandemic. <laughs> what, what about Netflix? Watching a Netflix show, does that count? <laughs> Absolutely. We read words <laughs> on the screen, right? <laughs> that's right. Put those subtitles on, you're on it. <laughs> oh, hey, that's a good idea. We can watch an entire movie. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take you know, a There's note. other languages on there, too. You can turn yeah. on the French. <laughs> I'm going to file that one away for this weekend. Yeah. Thanks, Gandhi. <laughs> so um, I find that for in my household, um, it, it's been an enormous shift for, for my kids to, to get these, um, these learning packages at the start of the week and have to, like for my older son, who the onus is on him now to, okay, so this is what is expected of me. I need to communicate with my teacher if something's unclear or I have to, you know, go to the Google Meet and then get the information that I'm missing here. And so he's had to take more responsibility for his, his learning that way. So that was definitely a learning curve for him. And then um, for my youngest one, uh, I have a, a daughter in elementary school still, she's finishing her, her grade six year. Um, she just, uh, our biggest dilemma was just learning how to structure 
the day to get all the assignments done. I uh, just wanted to give a huge shout out to the teachers there for uh, the work that they put into uh, the online learning for our children. The, the packages that come home and these, um, with my daughter, she gets these wonderfully laid out YouTube videos from her teacher who walks uh, the parents through the workspace and shows you what is um, being presented for the week, what they, what they need to do, what is optional, what their choices are, and it, it makes it it makes it a lot easier for us who, like you say, are thrown into this, this role now of, of teacher. So uh, I just want to say how much I really appreciate the teachers uh, worldwide for the, the incredible job they're doing because at the same time that they're having to figure this out for our kids, they're also at home doing the same things for their families, which I, I can't even, that just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, me too. For sure. Um, I think a lot of people think, oh, homeschoolers, we don't like teachers. We love teachers. You, they put out so many great resources. They're so awesome. I can't even imagine what it's like right now for them trying to work full time, get into these Zoom meetings, do one-on-one -on -one meetings with kids at home, worrying about their students, trying to get all of this work done. It's crazy and they're doing an excellent job. I know, I know, and it's just like you, uh, you ladies and gentlemen, you are holding the show together. So thank you. I I tip my invisible hat to you, <laughs> for sure. So um, let's switch gears here for a minute and um, just kind of go into um, what what you're doing aside from raising four children and homeschooling them all, um, with all of that free time it must leave you at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want three minutes. I <laughs> three minutes before you close your eyes and pass out. <laughs> I um, this is some place I I have to I have to gush a little bit here. Uh, this is one area I have uh, admired you from afar for a long time, and and just how much you have going on in your life, and still even with all of this, you you find the time to uh, keep moving forward with content content creation for your blog and Etsy shop products. So I wanted to know, I mean, how do you fit all that in with your own needs as an artist and a creator? And, and where do you find the time to blog? Uh, it is becoming easier now. And again, I, I cannot stress this enough. When you have multiple little kids at home, do not hold yourself to insane expectations. Okay? Any moms out there with little kids at home, don't think, oh, I'm not getting enough done. I should be doing this and I should be doing that. If they're alive and they're fed and they're happy and you're reading books and you're hanging out together, you're on the right track, okay? If you look at the projection of my blog from when it started to now, there was plenty of space in there that nothing was happening. And do I regret it? No, because I was raising babies and that's okay. And now that those babies are a little bit older and can make themselves a peanut butter and jam sandwich and can play together quietly and can go outside in the yard, now I have a little bit more time to do that stuff and I'm really trying to gear it up and actually start doing it on a little bit more full-time basis. Um, but I have realistic expectations. My goal here is to be with my kids um, and that's my main focus. And I try to fit everything else in around that and ask for help. Ask for help. <laughs> Nobody wants to ask for help. I am the worst of all. I never want to ask for help, but sometimes I have to uh, say to myself, you know, 
you can't do it all and that's okay. Yes, that's true. And it does make such a difference when, when we ask for help. And I find nine times out of 10, uh, the, it, it's always well received. Like people are more than happy to give you a hand with whatever it is that, that you need. Especially if exactly. it's your kids and you're asking them to take out the garbage or shovel exactly. snow. Oh my God, they love doing that. <laughs> I should ask more I often. I just need you to do your chores. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. Okay, so what's, um, what, what was your whole kind of uh, motif or inspiration behind the blog? Let's, uh, let's go back a few years ago and talk to us about how that all started. Well, it certainly changed through the years to something a little bit more open and broad. Um, eclectic like myself of my interests but when it first started the very first blog I wrote was actually about our miscarriage and getting pregnant with Ollie after that um, and I've always been somebody who likes to write and I've always wanted to write down my feelings and journal and stuff like that and I think at that time I just needed to put it out there for other moms for other people going through the same thing that it was okay that having that conversation was important um, because after our miscarriage, I found out that, you know, some of my aunts have had the same thing happen. My grandmother lost uh, twins in a fall and had a miscarriage as well. And I didn't know any of those things. And these are the people I love, the people in my family. And I think that conversation didn't happen as much. Now I feel like that happening more people are feeling less afraid to have those conversations the taboo is being lifted which is amazing right i felt like i just needed to put that down you know put it out there and say to other moms going through the same thing it's okay and if you're terrified now that you're having you know you're pregnant again and you've gone through this kind of scary thing that's okay too um and that kind of just started off the whole thing and i just kept writing Okay, and then from there, it just took a life of its own and, and progressed into, yeah. the, into the blog it is today. Exactly. Wow. Kind of took on, took on our adventures with us and moved oh. and changed as time went by. That's, that's wonderful. Talk about having your hands in your own clay. I mean, you're, you're molding the adventure as, as you go each day. Mm -hmm. Oh, excellent. And how often um, do, you, uh, do you write and, and get blog posts put up, would you say, on average? I'm, I'm trying to do two posts a week. That's my goal right now. Uh, list that I like to do, and then uh, a full post uh, balanced with a homeschooling post and just a sort of lifestyle posts of what interests me or what's going on that month. Okay. And um, you also, uh, you, you do a lot of um, crafting and crocheting and uh, you, you've got some products that you have up uh, on the Etsy store, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Okay. Like mix it up. <laughs> <laughs> I do love crocheting. Um, there's, a, there's a few things on my Etsy shop that I have been messing around with and I think they're working out pretty good. Some, you know, acrylic work and some some cotton yarn stuff so it's pretty fun okay well i have i have seen some of these postings uh, appear on my own facebook wall and uh, i have to say they are beautiful i really liked uh, the little scrunchies 
But thank you. The girls love them. They have a whole bunch. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I could do. I mean, I teach a class of uh, on Saturday morning. I've got a, a couple ballet classes, right? So I've got like twenty little bun heads standing there, and I can yeah. just pick them all with with those little scrunchies. They're super sweet. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I would definitely uh, recommend um, anyone uh, who who enjoys um, the home products like this and the crocheting and definitely to check out uh, Candace's uh, Etsy shop and uh, give her blog a read because she's got such a, a great uh, outlook and a take on life from her perspective of someone who was traveling a lot and raising kids and schooling them at home. So definitely would uh, encourage you to read uh, so i'm going to say this wrong beads baubles and buttons did i get the did i get them in the right order no that's the right order okay all right Better than so, Eva. she cannot get it <laughs> <laughs> triple b that's what she'll call it yeah I and think she and, wants to change the name of my blog to something about herself so <laughs> oh well of course right it'll it'll be the rebranding strategy for you yeah <laughs> she's going to be in marketing that one all about Eva, that's what it's gonna be called. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, I can't wait to read it. <laughs> so um, can you tell us where we can find you uh, if we're interested in uh, looking you up and learning a bit more about what you're doing? Uh, so the website's beadsbobblesandbuttons.ca. Okay. Um, I'm also on Facebook, uh, beadsbobblesandbuttons on Facebook, and at Candace Buttons on Instagram and Twitter. Okay, well, before I let you go, I, I just want to get your, um, your two cents on uh, where we are right now as a society and, you know, the, the standstill that we're at with school. Do you see our current situation as some potential catalyst for change in terms of how we're going to progress in educating our children? Or do you think this is just a, a momentary blip in time? Where do you see things? I would love to see some change. Um, I think that there's a fair amount of people who just really are done with this whole thing and want to go back. So there's that. But I think that also there's a lot of people realizing that there is something else out there. They're, they're going to the homeschooling blogs. They're going to the homeschool Instagrams. They're seeing what other options are out there. So I think that in the future, we'll probably see a decent uptick in people choosing alternative education. Um, so not just homeschooling as the idea of actually staying home like we do, but more co-ops, more um, nature schools, more things like that, I would like to think will stop, start cropping up as people show more interest. Um, and maybe just having more options for all the kids that learn in different ways. And I think that's really important. There's nothing necessarily wrong with the, you know, brick and mortar school system of modern day, but there's so many great options out there. And I think it would be great to have those options available more readily to different people and different families that could use them. And I maybe this would be the, the chance for that to happen. I really love what you said earlier on about um, how homeschooling is done with intention. So I think that if that's something that we can bring into our education system and, and how we, we view educating our children as a whole, I think that that's certainly a, a good thing. Absolutely. Um, could you, I understand you're going to be leaving us with some um, homeschooling resources so that uh, anyone who's interested in, in learning more 
can uh, can go to these places. Uh, can you just uh, maybe speak a little bit about your favorite one and what it is you get from it? Uh, I think my favorite place is the Canadian Homeschooler. She has a great blog, um, tons of resources. She makes her own PDFs and stuff that you can purchase from her shop. Uh, that are all printables. There's one that's, you know, all the provinces, like a pretend road trip through the provinces. You can learn all kinds of different stuff. She really has a wealth of knowledge on there and links to all the different provinces for legal stuff. And like I was saying before, she does a Ontario checklist for education by grade, which I use every year and print out for the kids' folders. Um, and she just has tons of great information and a, again, a great blog and she's in the throes of it right now. You know, she's got her kids at home um, and she really knows what she's talking about. So that's probably my, my favorite uh, place to go for, for good information. Okay. So, uh, so do you think this is something that anyone can do if they, uh, if they decide that's what they want and they're, they apply themselves? I think most people, can handle it. I think it really speaks to, like we were saying about intention, what your intentions are and whether or not you want to put that sort of work into it. And if you understand what kind of person you are, you know, I am the kind of person that could have four kids and said to myself, this will be a great idea. And I'm still enjoying it. You know what I mean? I think people know what they can handle and what they can't. Okay. I think if you take something on that you know is just not your personality or not going to fit, you're setting yourself up for failure. Okay. Oh, you're the kind of person that can kind of roll with things, that you love research, that you love coming at a project and really figuring it out. This may be a good option for you. Okay. So again, it all goes back to know thyself. <laughs> for sure. You definitely have to have a good sense of how you handle situations. Gotcha. Well, this has been a uh, very enlightening chat with you this morning, and uh, we've learned a lot about schooling with intention and uh, all the stressed out parents out there. Miss Candace has officially given us permission to let ourselves off the hook, give ourselves a break, and show ourselves some grace. And uh, I, for one, plan on taking that advice. So thank you so much, Candice, for your time and your wisdom this morning. It was great to speak with you. Thank you for having me. It was oh, fun. Anytime, my friend. Take care. I hope you're, uh, you all stay well at your house. Hey, Mom, what's for dinner? And there it is, my favorite question. Okay, today's dinner recipe comes to us from Alyssa Rimmer. Alyssa is a holistic nutritionalist who has many delicious recipes to share on her site, Simply Quinoa. Alyssa describes her own journey to wellness beautifully and extends a supportive, compassionate hand to other women who want to learn about caring for themselves and leading a healthier lifestyle. If you'd like to begin your own journey to wellness, I'd urge you to check out simplyquinoa.com. So tonight for dinner, we're going to tuck into a bowl of vegan red curry noodles. That's right. You heard me. I said curry. Mm -mm. I also said vegan. So it's perfect if you or other members of your family choose not to eat meat. Or if you're like me and like to have a variety of non-meat dishes in the rotation. 
I try to introduce all sorts of foods to my kids. I remember this one shopping trip I took with my daughter when she was about five or six. We were in the frozen food section grabbing a pizza. My daughter asked me what the V word said on the pizza box that was at her eye level on the shelf. I told her it said vegan. And this then prompted her to ask me, what do vegans taste like? So as you can imagine, we got some pretty funny looks and a few snickers from people around us. So I explained to her rather loudly that vegan refers to a choice not to eat anything made from animals. So no meat or dairy products of any kind. And once I felt satisfied that I had convinced everyone around us that we don't practice cannibalism in our house, I made a mental note to start introducing meatless dishes and things like tofu into my family's meal rotation, just to expand everyone's palate a little. Just because a dish does not contain meat does not mean it has a deficit in the flavor department. And this dish is a shining example. So be sure to check out this episode's recipe in the show notes. It's fantastic. So that's it for me today. I'm wishing all of you a fantastic rest of your day. Good luck with the rest of the school year, folks. And remember, give yourself a break and do what's right for you and your family. Let's not lose our cool over school. Let's adjust our expectations. This is one brief interruption in a long journey of learning. This will not leave a permanent stain on anybody's academic record or stop our kids from doing what they want to do when they're older. We'll all be on the other side of this someday, so let's not go to pieces in the meantime. The marks don't matter this year. Let yourself off the hook. All right, tune in next time for a great chat with Mary Catherine Jack, an independent dance artist who is making a difference through art during this difficult time. Come and check out what she's offering and how you can help make a difference too. Until then, don't forget to subscribe to the Caffeine Chronicles so you don't miss an episode. I'm off to drain the rest of the coffee pot. We'll see you next time.